Osiris. Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. You're listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And we are going to run through a bunch of the artists that are on this year's Sweetwater 420 Festival who have also appeared in different ways on our program. Sweetwater 420 Festival is taking place the weekend of April 19, 20, and 21 here in downtown Atlanta at Centennial Park. They're back for another year at Centennial Park. And if you are a band aspiring to be at a festival like this, or if you are a performer at a festival like this, I imagine you know that your website is one of the most important things in your arsenal. You want to have a a, a website that represents your band the way you want it represented, a band that makes it easy to find out where you're performing and to purchase things and to get press materials, and Bandzoogle is the way to go. Bandzoogle! It is built by musicians for musicians, and it's all-in-one. It's a platform with all-in-one and it's a it's a simple step by step process it, that it's so simple that Rob could actually make I a actually, website on it. Even I could probably figure this out. Um, but it but it's used by Grammy winners. It's used by internationally touring bands. It's used by regional bands, garage bands. It's used on every level. And Excuse me, garage bands and basement bands use it. Sometimes attic bands use it. Well, that's I don't want to talk about attics. Well, we mean Attic's band. We have Aerosmith Toys in the Attic. Well, we have Billy, Billy Joel songs from the Attic, which is my, my favorite Billy Joel album. Grateful Dead, I saw them resurrect Attic's in my life, 10 That was the encore, 10 Seth. None of us saw that coming. Well, speaking of didn't see it coming, guess what, folks? If you go to Banzoogle and you use promo code... Uh, inside Out, you will get... First of all, you can do a 30-day trial, but if you use the promo code Inside Out, you get 15% off the first year of any... Prescription. That code prescription. is yeah, subscription. subscription. No, the prescription is is for the when you have to deal with people at the gigs. Then you'll need your prescriptions. But yeah, you only need a subscription to deal with Banzoogle. Again, it's a step by step process. They walk you through. You will have a clear uh, a website with the dates clearly marked and all the details for the show. You will have a tour calendar. You will have. Uh, EPK for the press. You will have a way to sell your music and your merchandise. Clearly, you will have a way to loop into other social media platforms. You can bring in content from Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud. And and this was the most surprising thing to me, an impressive thing. Yeah. Live support from a musician-friendly team seven days a week. Musician-friendly team. And live support's key. Folks, go online to bandzoogle.com. Use promo code inside. Out. And the plans start at, not, at less than $10 a month. I mean, this is not a lot of money, and it's probably going to pay off very quickly. And if you don't need a website, still check it out. You might know someone that does. It's so easy to use. We really suggest taking a minute to look at it. Thank you so much. And once you have this website and you start making tons of money touring, what do you do then, Seth? You send us a payment through PayPal and thank no, us. No, 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 no. And help the show. You go to Pole Clark. Oh, well, I didn't know you were transitioning like that. We, you like know, to, we like to do things off the cuff here. Yes. Yeah, like, hey, listen, today, all I got to say is call Pole. Pole Clark, financial accounting, business management for the entertainment industry, including sports and music and more. Check them out, poleclark.com. Don't wait till next April and get screwed. 
Get pulled. They got the brains and wherewithal to keep up with the ever-changing tax law and the heart to care about you and, and make sure that you are set up for the long run, not just to impress your friends next week with your boat. PoleClark.com. Hey, let's jump into this episode, Rob. Well, we um, have a bunch of artists here. We're going to play little clips, little pieces of music going in and out of them, and we're going to start with a guy that we – well, I'm not sure. I first met at Terminal West. You, you had met him before, right? Billy? Billy Strings we're talking about, yes. First time I met him in person. Although I probably did meet him before, but that was that was my that was our first encounter, Rob. He played a wonderful show. It was beautiful, just just magnificently beautiful. And we fed him Indian food and we chatted about Bajonic. He showed off his Doc Watson tattoo. He played a little private performance. We'll we'll hear a snippet of one of those songs leading in and out of this. And um uh he will be performing at the four twenty strain stage at four thirty on Friday. He will be performing late night at Terminal West, which is where this interview was conducted and where we have great friends and they take care of us very well at Terminal West. And this interview is from episode 67. His dad... Uh, Hang on, Rob. Are you going to just talk about him or do you want to tell the listeners uh, perhaps all of the artists that we're going to be featuring on this or is it going to be a surprise for everyone? Uh, let's, uh, it'll be written down and they can read it. Okay. Um, but I want to point out that when he was a boy, his dad sat him down and walked him through different musicians' careers, one of which was David Grisman. And then later in his career, he got to bring his dad backstage while he was on tour with David. Uh, right, that was such a good story. Dog and uh, Del McCoy. So let's let's throw it over there now. One, two, three. Get right down on your knees and pray All you gambling sinners Better stop paying the saving living Or you won't be ready for to meet your judgment day Open up them pearly gates Open up them pearly gates Open up them pearly gates for me When you hear that trumpet blast I'll be coming home at last Open up them pearly gates for me So I was out of the uh, road, opened it up for Dell and Dog, and I made sure I got my parents to come down to see the show from Michigan. And so we were all there. And I, man, I had met Dog a few times. You know, we've kind of become buddies or whatever. And um, and Dell too, Dell and Gene and the whole family. And uh, I uh, invited my parents down, and my and my aunt Roxanne came. And that's another funny thing. My Aunt Roxanne, she's blind. And so when I invited them all in, and I, I was bringing them into the room where Dog and Del were to introduce my family to those guys, and first thing my aunt does is walks right in that room with her cane and goes, whack! And she's like, what was that? And uh, it was... Mandolin? No, it was Del's old, old 30s Martin. Oof, oof, oof. And he goes, oh, you can't hurt that old thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And uh, so you then, have to turn on the red light. You know, so so then I, I I you know I say, Dad, this is David Grisman. David Grisman, this is my dad. And Dell, this is my dad. You know, and uh, 
That's what my dad told me when I was little. Now listen, this is David Grisman. You need to know him. So that's what I did. I no, said, No, 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 Dad. This is actually David Grisman. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a record thing. Yeah. So then you know, the three of us uh, get out our instruments. Or me and my dad are actually. We sat there and picked a few tunes first, and Dell and Dog are sitting there listening to me and my dad play. Uh, uh, some fiddle tunes. I remember we played Give the Fiddler a Dram and uh, Whistling Rufus and Ragtime Annie and stuff like that. And and we had some harmonies going on. And man, they were just sitting there listening to us play. And then all of a sudden, Dog got his mandolin out. <laughs> Next thing you know, me and my dad and Del McCurry and David Grisman uh, are singing the Lonesome River. Wow. And... I'm singing lead, my dad's singing up above me, and Dell's hitting that big high note up there. Meanwhile, David Grisman's playing tremolo. <laughs> Just take me now, you know? It was like, it, that was so huge. So huge for me, you know? And mostly to, uh, man, I feel like I'm gonna cry, you know? Cause if you fill it up again, it's gonna eat a whole lot in your liver, and the gates won't open when you reach that promised land. Open up them pearly gates, open up them pearly gates, open up them pearly gates for me. When you hear that trumpet blast, I'll be coming home at last, open up them pearly gates for me. chicken roost and ask yourself an honest question and the good Lord's gonna know it if you lie. You better turn all them chickens loose or you're gonna die from indigestion when you eat that stolen chicken pie. Open up them pearly gates, open up them pearly gates, open up them pearly gates for me. When you hear that trumpet blast, I'll be coming home at last, open up them pearly gates for me. And that was uh, Billy Strings backstage in a private little room performing for us and a snippet from his interview. At the Terminal West in Atlanta, Georgia. We move on to Fruition. Ooh, just a, just a meme one. Seth and I found a quiet little spot in the – it's not really backstage. What do they call that area? At, at, uh, well, that was the, uh, the, the, the artist compound by the pool. It was very nice. Real quick, though, before we jump into Fruition and Mimi, I want to let you know, Rob – uh, Fruition just uh, sent a drum head that we're going to put on the 419 Got a Minute to Give auction, and that you can vi- visit bidpal.net slash 420fest. You can register to bid. You don't need to be at the festival. we got all sorts of different things. They're going to have a poster and other stuff. But it's I do want to mention that. Signed drum head? Yes, yeah, signed drum head from the band Fruition. Uh, and I'll mention more about it as we go on, but we are doing the uh, – your auctioneer is doing that auction, so I wanted to just plug that there. And they perform on the 420 stage at 115 on Sunday, and this interview clip is from episode 63. Um, 
from the uh, go ahead also to mention that they are one of the bands them and pigeons playing ping pong uh both uh curated a uh is it curated anyway they made their own their, their own beer with Sweetwater. they you know, oh, the collaboration beers. I didn't make. know that. So they did a collab uh, or a brew or whatever, but they're going to release that at the Experience Tent, and uh, those those two beers will be available there. And you need to know, um, she mentions in this clip Tucker, and, and that is Tucker Martin. He is the producer who's worked with My Morning Jacket and the Decemberists, and he worked on their 2018 record, Watching It All Fall Apart, which is a big topic of this clip. So let's throw it over. First of all, this is There She Was. that you're talking about is something that most people don't really achieve on their own. It takes a little bit of coaching uh, to be able to, to to help see the world that way because the world doesn't really present itself in that way right. through media and culture. Right. Well, I've, uh, I've, yeah, I do a lot of self-work. You know, it's like it took a long time to, uh, it took a long time to learn a lot of lessons I needed to learn. And uh, yeah, I feel... Even though I was a little shit for a long time, I still feel like I'm leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of humans at this point. So I can't complain. It's all self-work. I'm a spiritual warrior, man. <laughs> you could tap into the little shit side when you're soloing sometimes. You know, oh, just yeah, throw you a gotta, yeah, get it out, get it out in a healthy way. <laughs> but from listening to your lyrics, I wasn't surprised when Tucker said that you guys put the band first before your own egos when he's working with you, you know, which made the job more fun for him, easier and more rewarding. Yes. So I think... Our band, we're we're in love with each other, you know, and like, I feel I feel spoiled every day, you know, and I, I work hard to make sure that it doesn't become like oh like I need I need this treatment all the time I need to be waited on hand and foot. It's like no, like I believe in myself and in 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 every band member to like deflate that ego a little bit and bring it back down. And you can tell in our live show, like we're we're just head over heels for what each other is doing and that's that's what keeps us strong did you bring northern town to them fully formed or did the band really bring a lot of their personality to it um i brought it fully formed in the chords and the melody and the words and and the structure essentially but the the sonic treatment was a a full full band affair and your lyrics are very direct on that one and beside you and yeah. Which I know that's a previous record, but do you think moving forward you'd look to for more esoteric thing, or do you think that the more direct thing is going to be your, your heart heartfelt, direct, literate? Um, a little bit of both, you know. It's, it's, it's hard. To, songwriting is so shifty to talk about because it can be anything and it can all be good. Um, I want a little bit of both. 
The direct is strong, but sometimes you want to just paint a picture and then let it mean what it means to someone. You know, that's you the know. thing. You're saying that. I'm just thinking, like, how many songs have been written where the meaning was one thing and then the the, the, the way people read it or heard it, it meant something totally different to them? Absolutely. And I think that's what it's all about, you know? Have you ever held the songs until the record came out or do you always road test them there your fans have heard I them I like that we road test a few and we try to keep a few in the pocket to like keep some excitement for the die hard fruity freaks out there we love you um, <laughs> you Would know you ever- we gotta keep it exciting for the folks that are just like always there and like can't can't wait like we we gotta yeah we gotta have a balance of the road tested and the in the back pocket ready to premiere you know would you ever do one in the string duster style where they hold them all and then they feel like it completely infuses their live i think that's a great format too um i think we just uh our timeline of dropping records isn't as quick as we would like it to be and we're working on that so i think if we can turn new albums out quicker then that's totally that's totally a possibility sounds like we got to whip terry in some shape (laughs) (laughs) oh he's he's our live man but uh yeah sounds like we got to whip ourselves into shape on cranking out good tunes that's the thing we don't want to just crank it out you don't want to force it but but yeah we are we are we are working harder to to flip albums faster for for our excitement and for and for the fans sake but really to keep us stoked too lovely day out there at uh, Electric Forest, sitting out there and chilling. We also interviewed uh, Natalie Kresman on that same spot and a bunch of others. We haven't released all that content. we got The Works, uh, Rob Chafin also, um, and, uh, and of course Jeremy Salkin. We didn't do, we still got stuff in the can, bro. Uh, we were going to make videos with them for, for Osiris, and then I don't know, that, that kind of, they stopped doing that video thing, or I don't know, the guy no. who was doing it didn't have much time. Um, but, but that was Mimi, and what a pleasure. She's a lot of fun. I highly suggest you, uh, if you like Fruition and you like Mimi, uh, she's been on a, uh, some of the other podcasts in Osiris, I believe, on The Sound. Yes. Uh, and then she did a No, fun actually, no, her bandmate was on The Sound. Oh, okay. Uh, she did a fun one on Andy Frasco's podcast, uh, whatever that one was, a uh, saving one. Anyway, And I think she's funny. been on Jambase, too, Jambase podcast? Yes, most recently she was on Jambase. Uh, Scotty got her right around the, on Jam Cruise, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Scotty went on Jam Cruise and knocked out, I think, like 500 interviews. He? <laughs> I would, you know, Rob, I'm embarrassed to say he actually... He asked me to do one, and um, I had to. I was too busy. I couldn't. I couldn't make it. He didn't ask me. Well, you weren't on Jam Cruise, buddy. Oh, he asked you to do an on Jam Cruise. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, you're doing all the activities and running around being a social butterfly. Seth's like the mayor. He talks that he you can't walk five feet on Jam Cruise without someone else or Seth approaching someone or someone approaching Seth. Whatever. It's very. Hey, um. So speaking of electric forgers, by the way, what was that stuff I was drinking? Remember that it was like um, kombucha. Yeah. 
That was good stuff. But this one is also from Electric Forest, but this was more in the deep in the festival, behind mm-hmm. that stage by the carousel. This was Matt Butler of Everyone Orchestra. And I want to talk about... He, 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 First, here he talks about what he's asking from the, from the musicians when they're on stage and when they're improvising and he's conducting. He also talks about randomly walking into Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead and Phil's wife and son. And Jam Bay that he mentions is Matt's band from the 90s. And for you younger folks, Ken Kesey is an author, wrote, wrote One Flew Over the Cougar's Nest and Sometimes a Great Notion. He also was kind of the, uh, I don't know, the ringleader of the Merry Pranksters and very closely tied with the Grateful Dead, and he is mentioned in here as well. So. Speaking of the Grateful Dead, Matt Butler, everyone, orchestra, their charity of choice is the Rex Foundation, and they'll be providing some stuff for the 419 Got a Minute to Give auction. And I haven't mentioned yet, but the best way to track and keep, you know, track of your bidding and look at all the items, you can text 420FEST to the number 243725. So get out your phone. Go ahead and make a text to the number 2. Four, three, seven, two, five, and make your text say 420 Fest. That's how you can register to bid and check out all the items. Rex Foundation is, of course, the charitable arm of the Grateful Dead. They um, disperse funds all around the world, uh, often to composers. I actually, I, I don't, uh, our listeners know, I, I'm going through my videotape collection and purging, and I did find an old from like 20 years ago. Oh, very old. Piece on the Rex Foundation and on some of the composers that they surprised with large checks, and there's a lot of Phil Lesh awesome. interview. But let's throw it over to Matt Butler backstage at Electric Forest. A certain a certain a presence to what I bring, like to the stage, and and but within that, I'm I'm there I'm there to respond to what they're doing also. Not, so right. you know, and as the, as a group, I play a role, and as an individual relationship, is a huge trust thing. And so it's a trippy thing. Uh, I mean, very early on when I started conducting, I started to like. I mean, I had Adrian Blue on my stage, like like Adrian Blue. Like I mean, I don't know. Maybe twelve or fifteen gigs into this thing, as as when I started conducting, I, I mean Adrian Blue was on the stage. So it was I like, didn't know that. Some really exciting. I mean, it's just like my a lot of my heroes have ended up on my stage before, and so to have Phil kind of show up on stage last year, tumble down in July, and then you know, so I ran into Phil. I was on a run in in Burlington. I ran into Phil and Jill, and I know Graham, and I just and I stopped His it, son. and I introduced 
myself to them. Sure, why not? And said I'm playing, you know, with Graham later on. Everyone orchestrated. He had, didn't really have any idea what it was. And then, and, and he was intrigued by, like, conducting what? You know, and then Graham called me. He's like, so my dad wants to come later on, you know? And he, he's like, I'm just going to sit in for, like, the first song. He played for, an, like, an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, the other bass players just kind of sat back and, like, oh, we're, yeah. we're done. You no, know? I'm still getting paid, right? And he was just like, yeah, that was... That was different. That Did he was, compare it to the acid test at all? Because there was some element of that in the acid test. I mean, okay, I mean, you know I lived with Ken Kesey and worked with Ken Kesey no, with Jam Bay. I mean, shit. Yeah, there's a whole... <laughs> yeah, Jam Bay, <laughs> like I said. <laughs> lived with Ken Kesey. We, we lived... When we, you know, we were a touring band, and for a few years, uh, we were a pit band in a play called Twister that Ken had this grand scheme for. First of all, he was going to have us open up for the Grateful Dead Austin Stadium, um, and Jerry got sick and canceled that one. And uh, we were like, that was like a big so moment 92. for us. Yep. Okay. Or whatever, 93, 90, 92? 93, they played with Huey, and 94, they played with like Indigo Girls or something. I can't remember. I, the years are a little fuzzy at this point, I hear you. especially I might be right now. You say the years but, are fuzzy, but you don't look like you're any older than 30. Right. It's a, it's a trick. <laughs> Improvisation <laughs> keeps you young. I, and hair All dye. I can say is, I, I, I can just relate it. When I was first doing this when it was like in the in the in the 90s in Jambe and Jeff Sipe told me how old he was I was like no way dude you look like you're 30 <laughs> yeah so anyway music can keep you young if you don't you know smoke and drink too much Ken Kesey story come on give us one uh, thinking a lot about Ken Kesey recently so I grew up in Eugene Oregon Kesey was a legendary figure in in town and our families had had some interaction through the Eugene Symphony. My mom was a fan of the Eugene Symphony. Ken was a celebrity that they would have for fundraisers to conduct. And my mom loved him and kind of feared him because he would show up kind of like wasted sometimes or just be so eccentric that he would just like, you know, like the stuffies, you know. But the crowds would love it. So they'd always have him back, you know. It's like this kind of a little bit. He's a prankster. I mean, at heart, he was dangerous like to have in, in a public setting, right, you know. Right, right. Um, so I called him up and I said, I think I've got the greatest band in the world. And uh, you know my mom from the symphony. And I think we should open up the Grateful Dead. And he invited us to their house for a party wow. for an open mic. And he's like, the winner of the open mic gets to open up for the Grateful Dead. <laughs> Damn. And, uh, and, and they began a, a great friendship with Ken. And uh, Jam Band and Lazy Porch Dogs, you know, we, we lived on his ranch off and on for like four years while... That thing with the dead fell through, but then this play came about, and he was making a. We filmed it. We did a bunch of gigs. I mean, I was talking to Timothy Leary, you know, when you know before Timothy Leary died, he gave me everybody's phone number, and I had all these people trying to help Jam Bay like become just stay like keep going. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's <laughs> great. Hard to be a jam band on the West Coast. <laughs> it was, in the it 90s was without the internet. Yeah, I would say it was like the uh, it was the modern GoFundMe back then. <laughs> kind of like that. I don't know. So, uh, you know, he was he just became a, a good friend and mentor that really believed in Jam Bay. And you know, Jam Bay broke up. I stayed in touch with Ken, and I probably shared the concept of everyone orchestra. This is not me conducting, but the concept of it. Sure. Um, about ten months before he passed away. And he was like, oh, I love it. I love it. You know, I mean, I think it had a lot. I mean, Twister was all about crowd interaction. And they had, they, I mean, they, they had a, they would give out like a program. And the program had instructions on what dance to do during what song we played. You know, and it was like this whole, it was like a take on Wizard of Oz. I mean, it was kind of a failure in a way, but like I learned so much from the process. 
That song is called Funk Explosion. That's the uh, answer to the question. Uh, does everyone orchestra have a have a record? They do have a record. Harmonized Records put that one out. Beautiful record. I enjoy it. Uh, Jennifer Hartwick's on it. Uh, I mean, all, I think Al's on it. Uh, it's an all-star cast. But then again, when is it not an all-star cast? Now, we don't number every episode, uh, I'm sorry to say. Well, episodes are numbered, but tweeners yeah, aren't. Yeah, full episodes. If I'm satisfied that we've really explored uh, an artist to the fullest, then the episode, or, or to, an ex- to a full extent, then the episode gets a number. If it's a more of a brief... Uh, if it's a tweener, they get a letter. If it's an episode, they get a number. But the point is you'll have to dig, dig through our website to find that Not one, really. or, just or go, search by... Just- Go ahead. Yeah, you just go to our, our website, click on the, uh, on the uh, Simple Cast link, and then just search. Boom. But I wanted to point out that they perform on the Sweetwater stage at Sunday at 2.30. Their set ends at 4.20, so I wonder if that will lead into a toast. I'm glad I don't see any toasts. Saturday is the toast on 4.20. But it's not during anybody's set this year, Yeah, I think it? they, 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 I think okay. they heard you. Uh, also, it's Passover weekend, and it's also Easter Sunday, so... Talk about a holy weekend, huh? Ho, holy night. All right, so uh, big something in Voodoo Visionary. Visionary. They were performing at the Terminal Terminal West West together. And um, Seth and I are trying to do more and more hybrid interviews. We've got a whole series of them from the Holiday Hootenannies, Holiday Hootenanny, where we did a bunch of them in pairs, and you'll hear from those soon. I think our most successful one yet has been the Salmon Dusters one. Um, but uh, this was just Mike Wilson and uh, of Voodoo Visionary, and Nick McDaniel's of Big Something. And I would like to say that Big Something is Saturday at 3.30 on the 4.20 Strain stage. And Voodoo Visionary will perform at 3.15 on the Lyrics and Laughter stage. Oh, gosh. Is that Saturday? I hope that's Saturday. 
Big Something's uh, raising money for the Atlanta Music Project. Oh, and cool. Buddha Visionary, I believe they're doing either that one or Positive Legacy is still to be determined. But again, both, uh, both artists are participating in the 419 Got a Minute to Give auction. Uh, and it looks like some experiences are going to be coming in uh, with Voodoo Visionary. Uh, being that from Atlanta, uh, there's a good chance that they're going to be offering up a private um, like a meet and greet kind of deal, but like at a like a private brunch for your you and fifteen of your friends, plus the band and their friends, and uh, you know food and maybe a little impromptu jam there. But we'll again check it out online. You can you can text to bid. You can text to see all the stuff. Just go to text four twenty fest to two four three. Seven two five, and it is three fifteen on the lyrics and laughter stage Sunday. And this snippet, this interview—if you want to hear the two, these two gentlemen just talking with us, the full interview—it's uh, episode sixty-two, and we're going to lead into it with uh, a song from that night, "Love Generator" from Big Song.
about some gig nightmare stories, Mike? You already told us one about Birmingham. <laughs> Can you guys give us each uh, a gig nightmare, a voodoo and a big something gig nightmare story? You know, I, I guess, uh, well, I don't even know if I told you guys the other one. Like, this has been from two years ago. It's like we uh, were coming from Kentucky. We played a festival in Kentucky, and it was a super humble festival. I can't even remember the name of it, to be honest. I thought that was the name, Super Humble Festival. Yeah, Super Humble Festival. <laughs> I swear to God, we're humble. Um, but we pull, uh, yeah. We're the most yeah, humble yeah, people yeah, Exactly, yeah. Fuck yeah. everyone yeah. else. We're the most humble. Yeah, but uh, we, we got there, and it was like, you know, they... Uh, Zach Deputy was playing, which was cool, but the uh, it rained and there was a bunch of it was super muddy. And we pulled in there for load in, and um, we actually uh, we actually got right when we pulled up, we got stuck. And the, like we literally like turned around trying to back up, and this guy walks by, he's like, "Y'all stuck? You might as well get out." We're like, "All right, well, I guess we're walking our gear in from here." And uh, later on that night, we uh, and we were sitting there like we have to get to the next gig because we had to be in Chicago the next night. And uh, we we could not get out of there. And like this guy who had like this hot rotted golf cart, I guess I don't know what he did to this thing, but we tied it off, and uh, he actually pulled us out with that golf cart. And um, that was amazing enough. But the next day we're driving, and we're actually driving down the highway. The guy's still holding on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, but the, we're driving down the highway, and I'm actually driving, and um, we. Uh, I looked to my left and there was a wheel that just shot across the highway and I was just like, Oh my God, like somebody lost their wheel. And let alone I look back and like our trailer wheel had shot oh. across the highway. Thank God this thing didn't hit anybody. Cause it would have been obviously a nightmare on a whole nother level. Uh-huh. But we obviously, I freak out. I pull over the side of the road and we, uh, Thankfully, we were. I thought we were in the you middle of nowhere. You walked all the way to Chicago. Oh my gosh, we we looked at the closest trailer, you know, place where you go buy a trailer, and there was one twenty minutes away. Yeah. And we were like, that worked out. So we told Jimmy and Scotty, we were like, you guys stay with the stay with the trailer. We're gonna go buy a, buy the new trailer, which pretty much shot the tour under right there. It was like you know, I don't even know, like four thousand dollars under. But anyway, while we're buying this thing, though, we get a call from Jimmy and Scotty, and they go. Hey, uh, the cops are here. And we were like, well, why are the cops there? And the police apparently told them that while Jimmy and Scotty were sitting on the side of the road smoking cigarettes, a woman drove by and thought they were trying to steal everything out of the trailer. <laughs> so they called the police, and uh, the police showed up. And, like, well, if you see anything suspicious, they yeah, tell us. Yeah, I was going to say, know. yeah. And um, so... You know, we tell them, like, we'll be right there. Because originally the idea was we were going to take everything out of the trailer and pretty much ditch the other trailer on the side of the road. And, of course, that is – you can't do that, apparently. Right. And um, and thank God we had the uh, the title to that trailer in our car because they wouldn't take it if you didn't have the title. Yeah. So it was like $4,000 later plus 150 bucks for them to take it off take it off our hands. But that was – and then we had to be in Chicago – uh, we were six hours away, and like the load-in was in like five hours. Which reminds me, uh, Voodoo Visionary will be in New York between August 31st and September 10th. <laughs> yeah. you have any gigs? They've only got one set up so far, although this won't run for a while. Maybe by then you will. But book Voodoo Visionary and help them pay for stuff like this. Nick, I know you've got nightmare stories. Road trouble is always you know, the worst. That, that creates a nightmare in and of itself. Um, I'm going to go a different direction with mine. Uh, we were playing another humble festival uh, called Pasture Palooza in Virginia. Um, good friends of ours put it on, and it's actually a really great event. Um, they do a great job with it. Um, we were in the middle of our set, and we were playing, and I just remember 
you know, it was going great. And then all of a sudden the beat dropped and the drums dropped out. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, did we just train wreck? And I turn Mm -hmm. around and I see our drummer, Ben on the ground, just like the look of shock in his face. And then my, I look up and I see this gigantic, like eight foot tall woman, like just like Godzilla ing on the stage. Oh like she God. had come on stage and not tackled Ben off of his <laughs> mid Andrea the giant mid song. And I'm pretty sure she was hallucinating on something. And she just kept yelling. I just want to play. I just want to play. And she, took all the basically all the security guards jumped up on stage and it took like five gigantic dudes to pull this woman off the stage but she had grabbed all of the xlr and mic cables in the like clench of her fist and like she had the strongest grip on these cables that you've ever seen like they were like five dudes bear hugging her trying to pull her off the stage and our keyboard player Josh is like (laughs) pulling up her fingers one at a time (laughs) obviously starting with the middle finger (laughs) mid mid set mid song uh, oh man it was definitely one we talk about I just want to play I just want to play (laughs) I've been that girl. <laughs> she left in an ambulance. Yeah. She left in an ambulance and uh, she was okay, but wow. that was funny for sure. And a little taste of Voodoo Visionary Sip of the Sunshine. Always a live favorite. Gets the crowd singing along. Go see Voodoo Visionary when you can. Thank you, folks, again. Episode 62, if you want to hear the whole interview. Let's move Let's on. Let's not forget, though, we had a nice little acoustic thing at the end of that interview, too. Nick. Was- oh, that's right. That's right. Nick performed solo for us. We yeah. tried to We tried to get um, tried to get Mike to learn these two songs, but Mike Mike's life was uh, slammed. I remember I had a long talk with Mike that day. He had he had some stuff going on. I He's felt a really, good dude. He is a great dude. Love Mike Wilson. But we're going to move on now. We got Moon Taxi. We were we were uh, I'm to the moon <laughs> in a taxi, not an Uber. But we were this is one of the rare times we've done it on a bus. Yes. I mean, it was, you were all hot and sweaty at locking. It was gross. Yeah, oh my yeah. god. This is a sweaty Rob interview. Um <clears throat> 
They talk about doing covers. They talk about composing their song Morocco. They will perform at 5 o'clock on the Sweetwater stage. They are slotted, slotted. for a two-hour set on the Sweetwater stage. You know, Seth, I'm going to give myself crap now. I went dutifully went and found all these times and, and in a couple of cases didn't write down the, t- the day. Saturday, 4.20, Moon Taxi plays at 5 p.m. Smoke up and enjoy Moon Taxi. Seth, you, you know you these. Know, so Moon Taxi, though, it's uh, they've they've had a lot of success lately, and I I'm just thinking that this is going to be a big set for them. I, I just have a feeling. I got a feeling. Well, Seth loves Morocco. I keep trying to tell him that they have tons of other great songs, but just Seth and his son love Morocco, Morocco, Morocco. And when they play it, they do get the crowd. Singing, cheering, people seem to dig it. I'm so getting whatever. chills just hearing the song in my head. Episode 28, if you want to hear the full interview, we also have a member of Lotus in that episode, and they talk here about doing covers and about composing. Yeah, said. more than Lotus on that one, too. Don't you remember what that episode was? Go ahead. That was the episode where we sat down with Colonel Bruce Hampton, where he invited us and told us about the Hampton 70. Right. Uh, Matt Wilson uh, was uh, on that episode as well, and it's it going back to listen to that, I forgot that that was in that episode, and it was eerie. I mean, Bruce was, you know, he was like, "Do you did you want to do this?" Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this, but you know, someone tells me where to go, I just, I just go. <laughs> yeah, it's an yeah. interesting interview in retrospect, but it I think really is. I think he's pretty happy it happened, and uh, well, listen to our Colonel Bruce episodes, and and you can figure out mm-hmm. what we think about this. But, but now, this- Morocco. says, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Right. But then I've seen so many renditions of people oh, yeah. making that shit up as they're leaving. They're like, fuck him, I won't do what he says. <laughs> like, fuck no, I don't do that. Like, just, just so guys, off. Like, I can't believe it. What's a Jimi Hendrix song that everyone messes up? Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's it. While I kiss this guy? This guy. <laughs> Excuse me. You mentioned rage. Say hi to David Fry. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's stick with Rage Against the Machine yes. for a second, because you guys played the Hangout Festival. Yep. And then you were invited back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. yeah. And you did a set of Rage Against the Machine songs. We did. And first of all, how long did it take you to rehearse and learn all those? We've been kind of piecing them together over the past few years, and it's not the first time we've done it. We did it at the Hangout Fest. 
But that was so big. Two, two years ago or three years ago, and then we just did it this past summer. Okay, but the Hangout Fest was the first time you did that, and that was pretty yeah. bold for a band, a young band that's mm-hmm. got a growing audience to come out and drop their balls on stage and say, <laughs> fuck you, I'm going to do what my mama told me. Yeah. <laughs> but Zach is an amazing singer, I mean. Yeah, well, fortunately, we have a Spencer in the band, so. Close second. I didn't get the invite for the Prophets of Rage, though. Yeah, <laughs> out. that would have been epic. Just sitting into the Nashville show. Yeah. Oh yeah, is that coming up? Yeah, yeah. But I heard your fans were like climbing over the walls to get in there. It was a bit of a scene. Huh? Yeah, it was, was pretty was wild the first, the first year. Yeah. They were it coming was wild up the first year. They were coming up out of the sand, and they were swimming in like dolphin. Another? Actually, they were swimming up like seals with real porpoise. It really was pretty. <laughs> no, that would have been a dolphin. Ah, fuck! I fucked like that up. Oh, I'm sorry, fence. guys. It was like Walking Dead style, just coming over, or sneaking into the dead style, or just like zombies hopping a fence and plummeting to their death. Like it was Yikes! Awful. You mentioned fuck song- you, I won't do it. <laughs> you, you mentioned songwriting, and so here you you know you're covering, doing a big thing like that, but then you bring the you bring new audience in, but you guys for for the generation of. You know, jam rock, etc., um, that you guys are putting out there. A mix of, I mean, you can even throw indie rock into your into your vein. Um, but you guys, you have an emphasis on songwriting. Who's the primary songwriter here? Yeah, we all write a little bit. Uh, last couple albums, Wes, myself, Trevor, we we, we all kind of chip in. Um, I wrote a fair amount of lyrics on the last record. Strangely enough, don't really know why. Um, well, and you and your your music does reach a far out. far generation. <laughs> My son, for example, loves Morocco. He loves Morocco. Who doesn't, right? Who are who? So who's that was, uh? That was mainly Spencer, I think, if not entirely. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote the verses, melody, and lyrics, and a little guitar lick, and just kind of threw it out there. So you bring that to the band. Tell us a little bit about the process, if you don't mind, because you guys are. Yeah. To what extent yeah. does the? the so, like, I mean, for that song, for example, I actually wrote. I uh, uh, wrote the. What is the guitar lick on a keyboard? I, I write usually like in front of a keyboard, in front of a, or in front of a computer, in front of a recording setup. Basically, just kind of record as I write, uh, as opposed to like sitting with. I rarely sit with a guitar and write sometimes, but not much. Um, so I wrote the little keyboard lick, and then I put some, I programmed some drums on it, um, and then uh, you know I actually it was it was raining in in Nashville, so the first line so sick and tired of the pouring rain just came and then the rest of it just kind of came out I don't know you know it's it's kind of like a subconscious thing you just I don't know why you say the things you say it just kind of happens it wasn't it wasn't like an intentional let's let's tell a story about Morocco it was just nothing to do with Morocco it has to do with Nashville Taxi, they gave us some time. This is before their meteoric rise. 
these guys are on the way. I, I, th- I see them headlining Bonnery within five years. What do you think, Seth? It's possible. I mean, that's kind of – they they had a smoking set there last year, that's for sure. They had Andy Carota doing the uh, doing some um, visual design back there last year. That was a big uh, – Andy, who's worked with Paul McCartney. Oh, that's right. Um, also a lovely and wonderful woman. So we move on to John Bell, the front man of widespread panic. Thank you very much. I love John Bell. And um, this comes from episode 42, which also features Denny Wally of Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa Band mm-hmm. fame. We grab John. I don't think he's a big interview guy anymore. He'll do phoners with newspapers. I don't really think he generally does one-on-one interviews. So we're very, very lucky to get this. I also want to point out that he was a very calming soul at, at a later point in the night when I had a very confusing he moment. was. The, and you were, too. Um, but they will be doing two sets starting at 7.30 on Saturday and 6.30 on Sunday. And uh, go ahead. Tell us about Widespread Panic and the... 419, got a minute to give auction. That's right. Text 420-FESTA-243725. Check these items out that these guys, uh, Widespread Panic, been very, very generous. They're raising money for Tunes for Tots. That's their program. And they are doing that by these items. Ready? A pair of three-day passes to their sold-out shows in St. Augustine. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Till the Medicine takes... Where they're going to do an autograph vinyl and an autograph promo poster. Can I just stop you for a moment? Don't gloss over that. That St. Augustine, if you've never seen them, that's a small venue. It's a really cool little area. That's a fun way to see widespread panic. That's why those shows always sell out. Go ahead, son. Uh, light the fuse. Get away. Light also, fuse, get away. Light fuse, get away. Light fuse, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, vinyl and promo poster, two different items there, both autographed by the band. And then an autographed widespread panic poster, Summer, which was uh, autographed by Chuck Sperry uh, for their 7, 13, and 14 uh, 2011 concerts. And then they're also going to provide a an autographed drumhead. Uh, so those are just some of the items. And again, if you want to check it out, you can go online to bidpal.net slash 420fest or just grab your phone and text 420fest at 2437. Two five. I feel like uh, we're doing a telethon here. And Rob, is there any calls in? Who's our next caller? I'm not sure, but I, w- I just wanted to point out I chose this clip because he talks about following other acts, which they have to do at festivals, yep. and he talks about his improvised raps, one of the best of which we got at the last 420 fest that they performed. Well, the last one they performed at, right. That's the last one they performed And it was at. Hatfield, and let's have a little taste of that right now. Lord, she made her own beer 
Dates with them, and one of them in Birmingham. Was it in 09? Was that long so. ago? I think so. Because it was their, the, the big, big year for the Almonds, maybe their greatest year ever. But, anyways, um, Colonel comes out, they're opening for you, and they do Mountain Jam toward the end. Colonel comes out and does a smokestack that just tears the roof off the place, and then Derek follows it with an otherworldly solo, and then they end their set, and you've got to follow that. Is that daunting at all? Is that, is, that a, is that heavy, or is it just like, nope, we'll go out and do our show? It's shows. the same thing of like when we first met Bruce. You have to, you have to go just do what you're going to do. And True, but it's hard enough to follow the Allman Brothers anyway. I, well, I'll tell you, there, I mean, there are points. I'll, you know, I'll go out and listen to a band, but if, uh, if I'm getting too engaged after two or three songs, then I'll, I'll usually kind of cut strings and go back mm. so, so I'm not too lost and... In that, because all of a sudden, then I'm. It just, it just seems to be a safety mechanism, yeah, right. for not getting too lost. And you can get lost in music, and then not even want to play. You just want to watch other people. That's play. interesting. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of times, you know, some people on the fan side might say, "Well, gee, is that you know? Don't you want you know? See, you got these bands. No, but I think it's with, a cousin but... of what Joni Mitchell calls the kill, mom, kill mommy syndrome, yeah, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Where you have your biggest influence, you have to completely stop listening to. And I could see the smaller version of that being you don't want to be influenced by who's opening for you or mm-hmm. lost in it. You want to stay in your own thing. Did you have a mommy you had to kill as a musician? Did you have a favorite that you had to stop listening to at some point? Um, n- I, not intentionally. I think we just. I mean, at one point we were we were playing 300 shows a year. So, aside from a few things that we listened to, you know, after after a gig or something um, on the record player, it was like mostly just involved with the music that you were discovering together. And so, yeah. So a lot of it, I quit going to concerts which up until then I've been you know it was every weekend I'd be going to concerts and just watch what was going on and see how how the dynamics were working but uh, but then it became you know <laughs> then it wasn't like you you didn't really want to listen to that much music after you're that saturated so you're watching more TV and I want to also follow up you talk about how Colonel uh, kind of gives you the freedom and the courage to be yourself on stage. And if I may, it seems to me when you're performing, the moment at which perhaps you are most on yourself is when you're doing the improvised raps. We just got it, one of the best I've ever seen just last weekend uh, and, during Hatfield. Yeah, yes. So is that a little bit of the Colonel influence a little bit to just to be able to, I mean, I, don't, I think people don't realize when they listen to this to this stuff and oh it's cool you did a rap but you're really kind of burying your soul and like the most recent one it seemed like you were shutting your eyes and just saying what you were seeing what was coming to you that's how it goes and you know sometimes you could you you know you might not have the the tuner Hmm. right on but sometimes all of a sudden the characters are just popping to life and then you just report on them so I, I think that's more of a for me 
I think I probably picked up on that through uh, Van Morrison ah. the most. Because um, he, he goes on a stream of consciousness thing. And then some, and some of the romantic poetry that I was exposed to just going to college, you, you got to, and some of the writing classes, it was like you saw the value of, um, of stream of consciousness kind of um, just applying yourself that way. And it doesn't always happen. And, and you know, and, not, and I didn't really think of it as a thing. But when people start mentioning it, now I'm even a little more self-conscious about it. So, way to ruin it, Rob. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Panic fans. Please. Stay. <laughs> Are you ever surprised? Do you ever surprise yourself with what comes out? Oh yeah, and it, yeah, that makes you that makes you really happy. Was Hatfield this last one one of those? It, another symptom is you can't. Remember. You don't remember. You don't remember. Well, yeah, I have it here for you. Actually, there's no, a meme. Yeah, there's a whole thing. <laughs> Someone actually made a meme and put it on a. I pr- and you know I've and I've done like like in Hatfield there is a place there you know there are a couple tunes. Um, Arlene, I think handful of tunes. Arlene's the whole thing's stream of consciousness and the and usually but there are there are places I've visited that I remember and I revisit some of those images. And sometimes they'll add together. Sometimes, you know, it's uh, to strike your memory. This one was, but uh, the best <laughs> is like the first time. I mean, the first time that you go off, and you, and you really don't have control over it. You're just there's some kind of energy, and you're you're telling a story, and it takes off by itself. So at once, you're at your most vulnerable, but also probably the most invigorating at the same time. Well, yeah, because you you become an audience member at the same time. Now one day we's getting a little too old for playing to make believe, so we believe. No more cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, ice station zebra. Oh. And then her older sister, she came up on a mini bike. Had a few beers left and six pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon. Said, I see you playing. You've been hot from playing in the summertime. Yeah. Pop these and cool yourself off. Let your mind drift and look at the clouds.
was John Bell and a Le- little... That's John Bell leading widespread panic at his best. Yeah, that I can't believe that was two years ago that... That. And if you remember, when this interview is from just a week or so after it, I mean, we're yeah, back. Yeah, you were all like, gawing on him. But it was uh, – he didn't seem thrilled about talking about it because it's kind of a – I don't know. Sometimes musicians don't want to break down what's going on on the stage. So it was really nice of him to, to be generous and, and to talk about it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. his improvising. I was very surprised that uh, – you know, pleasantly surprised that Van Morrison was the main inspiration for his uh, – for his improvised raps. If, you, you, if you guys Van have ever seen Van, he doesn't do it as much these days. Van's raps are a little more calculated, but oh my gosh, late 80s, early 90s, and of course, way back in the 70s before my day, Van would just do amazing, incredible, wonderful raps. Something about the weather outside made me want to listen to him the other day, and I really enjoyed it. He's great Sunday music, mm-hmm. Van. I, I recommend Poetic Champions Compose. I recommend uh, No Guru, No Method, No Teacher. There's a lot of great into the music. There's a lot of great Van albums that don't have hits on them. Um, I could go on and on. I think I already have. You have. All right, what's up next? Now Rock. we go to one of these poolside chats that Seth has on these destination shows. Where were you? This is with Tom Hamilton. Do you remember where you were? Yeah, of course. It was holidays at Now Sapphire in Mexico. It's right over there in Cancun area. It's about 20 minutes from the airport. Uh, man, it was fun. He was there with his new band. And I'm going to go ahead and say you're welcome to our listeners because Seth wanted to run the whole 50 minutes. And I'll tell you, there are stretches of overt tedium in this that he wanted to just include on a clip show. But we have narrowed it down to very, very cool little uh, pieces where you still get a feel of the pool of the vibe because these are something that's good well, in in a pool that, that's a great time by a pool when you're at a festival like this isn't necessarily going to be great on a podcast okay, but that's all you got to give me credit on one thing rob you got to remember this so uh, rob does the research for interviews and so here i am the night before the interview okay and i'm like what am i going to talk to tommy about i mean i know he just suits a shit but i should probably should probably have something prepared to be able to like you know do a proper interview and a professional one and then it dawned upon me at 1.32 a.m. to grab my tiny microphone. I have this little tiny microphone that attaches to my phone. I walk around. I kind of do interviews here and there with it. It's, it's a fun gimmicky thing and also breaks the ice with people. At any rate, I'm like, why don't I go around and ask fans questions that they can then I'll play for Tommy. So I went in until about 3.30 in the morning collecting these things. And, and, and then while collecting them, somehow some things – some of the questions, some of the things, all kind of like, you know, there was themes that started coming out of it. So then I'm like, okay, you know what I got to do, Rob? I got to go ahead and actually put this together so I'm not shuffling around during the interview tomorrow. So and I then- went in and I and I pulled them all together and I made little segments. And then sitting with Tommy, I went shuffle around them. for the first ten minutes of the interview trying to find them and play them. <laughs> I'm not a technical guy, but at least I had. I know. Okay, come on, it's funny. But it was still better than than it could have been. But I did the work. He would have been proud. Um, or not. So why don't can you look up what they're donating? Uh, well, Tommy, um, regardless if he realizes this or not, uh, with J Rad, I'm going to get him to donate a uh, his scarf from the night that from his that he wears during his set. So that Tommy, if you're listening, sorry, buddy. That scarf's for sale. Don't wear uh, your best one. Don't wear the, the wear the one your mother gave you. There you go. Because he we, says his mother's always giving him scarves, right? Yep, that's right. And uh, 
I should also mention that all late night shows we're going to be uh, have got a raffle for late night shows. So every official late night show uh, you can pay uh, to enter in a raffle, and a winner will be chosen every day for that. There's also VIP upgrades every day that we're going to be doing. So uh, another raffle there, and, and you can find out all this information by going to bidpal.net/slash420fest, or of course grab your phone, text 420fest at two four three seven two five, and JRAD this year. And I want to point out, while you're looking that up, J-Rad will perform Friday at 7 p.m. on the 420 strain stage. They're slotted for a two-hour set. And Ghost Light is the late-night act at Terminal West, late-night Friday night, the 19th. Go ahead, Seth. Uh, that's what I was saying. J-Rad, they are benefiting. Um, all the proceeds from them are going to the Atlanta Community Food Bank. So that's helping out our uh, Atlanta. And uh, one one thing that didn't, I don't think made, yeah, one thing that didn't make it in here that was a great line was, Tom Hamilton called you the Robin Williams of bad jokes. <laughs> How you manically riff off one thing or another that's not even remotely based and clever. You liked that, didn't you? Uh, I liked uh, his response to it. I, I didn't like the jokes. Um, but uh, Ghost Light is, is his band with, with Holly and uh, a couple other folks, one of which is Raina Mullen, who's also the other front set person. And Raina joins at the end of this on a couple of songs. And... Um, by the pool, it was really cool. The two of them just. Uh, oh, and, and I should mention that the guitar he played it was, was auctioned off through Positive Legacy, right? Yeah. And um, we talk at one point. They talk about a Garcia birthday celebration. That's the eight four seventeen thing at Red Rocks with all kinds of music. People. I thought that was. Are you sure Red Rocks? I'm pretty sure that was. Uh, no, that's the Red Rocks one. You can still watch it online. Okay, wasn't the one with Kamasi and everybody. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, so God, pretty right. sure I'll, I'll no, no, correct it if I'm wrong. You're right, you're right. There, there, there was a two, yeah. And Brothers Pass is a is a mm. was Tommy's band, great band. I, I always thought they were one of the rare jam bands where their studio record was actually maybe a little better than a lot of the times I saw them live. I can still hear that studio record open up in my head. And I'm not putting them down as a live act. It's just I just thought it was such a great I, I, jam bands. Don't I, I don't want to say they don't make great. I don't know what to say. They don't just don't say anything, Rob. And on that note, here we go. Tom Hamilton. I mean, we've only been playing since March, which is, you know, a fetus stage as far as bands go. Um, so there's, there's a lot to learn and a lot to figure out together uh, over a very short amount of time. But the voice, like the voice, like you start, when you started the project, you had maybe an intention for it to sound a certain way or go a certain way. But as you start playing together... Maybe, you know, Holly's all of a sudden starting to play a little bit more on the organ. And then, all, you know, like, what's the sound? Is the sound changed in any way that, that you recognize that it's like, wow, I didn't know it was going to go here? Uh, no, I don't think it's like, it's, it's not surprising, uh, really, as far as, like, what's, what's happening. It's, uh, it's just nice that it's a band. You know, I, like, the point of it was to make it so it's not something that's centered around myself or centered around Holly. It's it's five people all with a voice and all like involved in what's going on and and you know for better or worse that's that's what happens with the band and I, I think bands are important. You know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of them in American culture. You know, it's a lot of solo artists and stuff like that. So uh, you know, I think the bands are the important things, you know, the Grateful Dead, the you know, Radiohead, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd these are all bands, and, and they're all more popular and more successful and mean more to people than any of the individuals. And I, I think that's an important thing, and, and 
that's that's what I was hoping for with Ghostlight was you know five people all coming together and figuring some shit out. Now you said everyone has a voice. Uh, how much of a voice does everyone bring in in terms of the songs? Are the songs from it being uh, brought to the table by everyone, or is everyone kind of have their own part? Well, I, a lot of like the the seeds of the songs, uh, Rain and I kind of like locked ourselves in a room for a while and we wrote a, a bunch of like ideas and and uh, and brought them in to, to everybody and Holly came in with some ideas and but you know at the end of the day we all f- all five of us sat in a room and and, and worked it out and and, and made, made the songs what they are so you know now I couldn't air this question that someone asked for several different reasons but one question one, one of the questions that the person had was in regards to brothers past and do we see any of that material resurfacing, perhaps, in this project? Yeah, yeah. We play a few Brothers Past songs, um, and you know, we'll probably add some more next year, just to kind of keep it fresh. But yeah, I mean, dude, I love those songs. You know, they're 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 still my tunes. You know, and and uh, and you know, it's a shame that band doesn't play anymore. But I, I, I like that material, and and I try to keep it alive whenever I can. And now you've got like. You don't. You can't take a break. I mean, the second you take a break, you have another project that you can go on. I'm curious: uh, is American Babies uh, going to resurface this summer? No, that's not really a thing that I need to like do. You know, I mean, is like it? the. Well, it's like I. You only have so much bandwidth, and and you know, I mean, American Babies. I I always wanted it to be a band, and it just never turned into that for whatever reason. So it's like, you know, I don't need a vanity project. You know, I I. I what I, I want is a band, and I want to be like hanging out with people and, and be in a collaborative situation, and and uh, and that's what Ghost Light is. So you know, between that and J Rad, I don't really need more things happening. You know, like the occasional like shit with Melvin that I'm uh, that I'm doing at the Warfield in January with like him and O'Teal, like that's cool. Like things like that, or like going and playing with Bob. But you know, I don't really need to be like focusing on anything outside of that stuff. You know. Now, creativity-wise, you got all this positive stuff going, and a lot of times artists are most creative in a dark area. I'm curious, are you more of a creative now that you've got all this positive stuff going on? Uh, I mean, dude, in here it's always a nightmare, so it's okay. I can, I can, fi- I can find a way to be miserable at, at any place. <laughs> all right, and a lot of people were asking about J-Rad and curious to know uh, how it was feeling. Uh, if continuing to keep this thing rolling for the next several years or if you guys maybe wanted to take a break and what you think i mean it's fun there's no reason you know to not do it really i mean we're it's not a lot of shows and the shows that we do play are really fun and everybody seems to enjoy it that comes to it and the five of us on stage super love playing together and hanging out and 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 doing what we do to those songs and uh yeah, man, it's it's fun. So there's no reason to it's doing what you do to the song. So do do you take a conscious effort still this day, what before a gig, to say, hey, you know what? I want to do something a little different to this. You know, I know we've been playing Franklin's Tower a hundred times now, but I want to go ahead and uh, I want to I want to do a little something different with it. I mean, personally, I, I approach every show. Like, it doesn't matter who I'm... Pl- I mean, I'll do it tonight with the Biscuits. You know I mean, like, you'll be like, all right, well, w- how are we going to make it different tonight than whatever, however, any other times I've ever played with them or with J-Rad or with anybody or with Ghostlight? That's the, that's the point. What was that? Something about Jerry Garcia's birthday celebration. Oh, that thing. The one... Oh, with Kamasi. Yeah, dude, how cool is that shit? Unbelievable. Blew my mind. 
you know, the Garcia estate kind of... So the question was, how did that show come together? Uh, the, the folks at the Garcia estate were, you know, trying to put together something for, for the big guy's 70th, 75th birthday. And um, I don't know. They just asked me for some ungodly reason. And I got to do it. And I said, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, to play with, with Melvin and Jackie and Gloria was super cool. I grew up listening to those Jerry Band records, uh, like the live albums from, like, the 90s. And so... When they got when they asked me to do it, I was just like, "Of course, why? There's no way I wouldn't." Um, and then getting it, thank you, I appreciate that, you know. And then like getting O'Teal and and Dwayne involved was like, "Oh, dude, these are like my boys, so that's super cool." And then I didn't know Kamasi at all, um, but they were just like, "Hey, we're gonna get this dude to play." And I checked out his his music, and I was just like, "I I can't hang with this guy. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's on some other shit. He really oh, he is. is. He's he like is. the the nicest dude in the world. And he's also like the most like cosmic guy. Like it, it's like." What I imagine, like, meeting Hendrix must have been like. You know, like, it wasn't some, like, it, it, it was, like, a real thing. It wasn't some kind of, like, you know, asshole that goes, like, Urban Outfitters and, like, wants to just, like, dress like a hippie. Like, this guy's, like, real. You know, like, he's really just out there, and he's so genuine. You could feel that energy. It's like and a it, sh shamanic presence. Yeah, seriously. It, it was a beautiful thing just meeting him, you know, let alone getting to play and hang out. And, uh, yeah, it really, it, I mean, it changed, you know, a lot of things for me. And it was a really great thing. You know, and so and just to be a part of that event, you know, it's like I look at the whole thing is like this J-Rad thing is is too good to be true. It's such a, a, an incredible opportunity. And, you know, anything that I could ever do to help the Garcia state, you know, just to help them to pay it back. You know, I, I certainly owe them and, you know, that whole thing, uh, everything. So it's like, you know, anytime they ask me to do anything, I'm going to say yes, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so it was cool. And then, you know, getting us like, see Bob and, and, you know, and Jay May and all that shit was pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, Pam has a question. Who's my Who? favorite comedian? Uh, you know, uh, no. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, my favorite comedian, I, you know, I love Bill Burr. <laughs> um, and uh, Bill, uh, Patton Oswalt. Those guys, I, I really love those dudes. I, and I honestly, I, I think Norm Macdonald might be the funniest guy on the planet that nobody knows. You know, I mean, he, there's, I don't think there's anybody smarter than than Norm Macdonald and and what he does. It's just some of the greatest comedy in, in the world, and I think it goes over a lot of people's heads. But uh, yeah, I think Norm's probably like at the top for me at the moment. Yeah, good question, Pam. Thanks. Hey, I love comedy. If I had to do it all over again. I definitely probably would have like tried to do like comedy or acting or something. Who this guy? What's your name, man? Adam. Adam is very enthusiastic, and he's been this enthusiastic. I saw you last night. Also very enthusiastic. I feel like I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna see you tonight. My question for you is: Have you ever read The Catcher in the Rye? And do you have a copy of it on you? I hope not. Too soon. Um. A solo acoustic version of Dark Star might be the worst idea that's happened here. <laughs> Along with, like... Uh, yeah. Duck Dynasty wants, wants half-step. We'll give, we'll give him half-step. <laughs> hey, what's your name, dude? Mark Watson. Mark Watson. All right. I dig it. I, di I dig your vibe, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you look like Adam if if he did time. I think it's, it's, what, we're, it's, kind of, it's kind of what we're working with here. 
Adam with a record. This is what he got. Um. Don't say yourself sure, buddy. Uh, okay, can you hear this guitar? Does this work? Yeah, okay. Uh, half step. All right. On the day when I was born, my daddy sat down and cried. Had the mark just as plain as day, could not be denied. See the king caught Abel, throwing loaded dice. Ace of spade behind his ear, him not figure twice. Half step, Mississippi uptown, toodaloo. But hello, baby, I'm gone goodbye. Have a cup of rock and roll. But where to you, old southern sky? I'm on my way, on my way. If all you gotta live for is what you left behind, get yourself a powder charge and seal that silver mine. Lost my boots in transit, babe. A pile of smoky leather. Led to retread to my feet. Pray for better weather. A half step, Mississippi uptown. Toodaloo. Hello, baby, I'm gone goodbye. Have a cup of rock and ride. But where to you, all southern skies? I'm on my way, on my way. See that when your ship comes in, the first man takes the sail. Second takes the after death. The third, the planks in rage. What's the point in calling shots? This cue ain't straight in line. Cue balls made us styrofoam, and no one's got the time. Half step, Mississippi uptown, Toodaloo. Hello, baby, I'm gone, goodbye. Have a cup of rock and ride But where do you all southern skies? I'm on my way On my way On my way That's Raina Mullen From Ghostlight Like that promotion? Across the Rio Grandio, across the lazy river, across the Rio Grandio, 
across the Rio Grande, across the Lazy River, oh, across the Rio Grande, across the Lazy River. Ghostlight song? Want to do a ghostlight song? Yeah, oh, we're gonna do a ghostlight song? Uh, okay, let's do Let's do a ghostlight song. Uh, I don't know, do you want to do a best kept secret? Or uh, we're gonna do a go one of our songs, because why not? Right? Is that the one to do? <laughs> Nobody wants to hear new stuff. You know, speaking of new stuff, I, well, here's the thing with new stuff, though. I, I, I understand it because I went to see Crosby, Stills, and Nash once when I was a kid in about, I'd say, like, 1994, maybe. And I was a teenager, and I was super excited. I'm like, man, I'm going to see these guys. They're going to play Ohio, and they're going to play Almost Cut My Hair and fucking Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, and I'm super excited. And I went... And they didn't play any of those fucking songs. They did a bunch of new shit. And it's like, this is a song for the Oklahoma City bombing. And it's like, dude, I don't want to hear that. I'm 14 and I'm stoned. I don't, I'm, I'm this close to losing my shit in public. And all I want to hear is fucking, you know, Ohio. Don't be a dick. Just do it, Graham. But no, they didn't. They fucking didn't do it. So I, uh, whoever said no new stuff, I sympathize. But fuck off. We're going to do new stuff anyway. <laughs> of course it was. Uh, what song we doing? What? Say you're gonna love this 
when you're older Today's the oldest that I have ever been There you had it, Tom Hamilton, Poolside Broadcast with your host. Uh, because Rob's not there, it's not your host, Seth Weiner of Inside Out with WTNS. Because unfortunately, Cloud9 doesn't allow me to support right. that. Thank you. I don't know why, but, but you know, I haven't been there but for if I was 17 there years. And uh, you were rifling puns off like you do, you would be getting fisted. Fisting by the pool. I'd be throw, fisting you, you by the pool. Fisting by the pool. pool. But you know what, what I go by, Rob? When I, when I do with those things, I go by LL Pool J. That's absolutely hysterical. So we're going to end with my personal favorite. You're such an ass. My personal favorite Sweetwater 420 moment ever. Uh-huh. Is that when you got kicked out? No, I've not been kicked out of that festival. Oh, that's good. That... See, random and not clever. Doesn't you, make it funny. You, you, Rob, I'm playing with the cord with my toes. Cleaning his toes with the um, XLR cord. So here, let's start. Gross. Let's start with the fact that disgusting, we first disgusting we movie. first heard about Brandon Niederauer, Taz from the Colonel. Actually, right. at the very – when he Years sat down ago. to interview, our first interview, he actually first told us in advance of that interview, well, no, although you, no, had, no, you no. were familiar he of was, him from – Taz was on Jam Cruise when he right. was like seven or eight. Right, but I had only heard a little about him. I didn't really know about him until Colonel. So, so really? for me personally, okay. the Colonel was the first one who sat me down. This kid is something. And um, – and not only that, but, you know, the knock was, you know, he's a young player who was really talented, but he played a lot of notes, you know. He would get out there and play a lot of notes. And Umphreys McGee, who are, who are also friends of mine, I'm also, also play a lot of notes. And tend to play a lot of notes. So they, they bring him out, mm-hmm. and they showcase him on Stevie Ray Vaughan's Lenny to really demonstrate that this kid can craft a beautiful solo. 
and he and Jake, it was just beautiful. And I definitely, I got emotional. This was beautiful. This was a, a, a very, very heavy, heavy moment for me to see this guy, the Colonel, ha- had talked about playing with my friends, you know, headlining, closing this festival it's just, no less than a year after the Colonel had passed. Right. And um, I'd, I'd like to point out that we have a, a tribute to Colonel Bruce coming up. That we do, really... and also an, uh, another surprise, surprise, another Umphreys McGee episode. What do you know about that, Rob? Uh, Kevin Browning uh, wanted to come on and talk about their Anchor Drops re-release, and they're starting a series of videos of interviews song by song that Jefferson Waffle has put together. Look online for those. We will be tweeting them out and putting them out through our socials. And we also are going to be sitting down finally with Brandon Taz, or we're scheduled to anyway. When is that? That's coming up early May yeah. or something? Yeah, right after 420 Fest, about a week after. So, so that, folks, again, 419, got a minute to give, please, uh, if you, I've said it a couple times here after in the episode, text 420FEST to 243-725, that again is 243-725, text 420FEST, or go to bidpal.net slash 420FEST to check out all the items, raising lots of money for a ton of good causes. So from Centennial Olympic Park 2018, my very favorite all time. Sweetwater Festival 420 Fest moment. This is Humphreys McGee with Taz doing Stevie Ray Vaughan's Lenny.
Taz, man, that's incredible.